Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life of excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on Podbeam, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. scripture this morning comes from Acts, the 18th chapter. Now there came to Ephesus a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria. He was an eloquent man, well-versed in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. And when he wished to cross over to Achaia, the believers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. On his arrival, he greatly helped those who through grace had become believers, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Messiah is Jesus. The word of the Lord. Well, after three years of living in the Sock Valley and a lot of effort and work and focus, I finally have done it. I have found my favorite restaurant in the Sock Valley. And I'm going to tell you about this morning, even though you probably don't care, but I have the microphone, so I get to make the rules at least for the next 20 minutes. So my favorite restaurant in the Sock Valley is actually in Rock Falls. It's called Triple P's Barbecue. And the reason I like it so much is because they have a sandwich on the menu that has all of my favorite things all piled on top of each other. So this is what it is. Obviously, it's a bun, right? It's a sandwich. There's a a beef patty, which you must get medium rare. And if you don't get a beef patty, medium rare, I'll be praying for you. You're not doing it right. So medium rare patty, pepper jack cheese, a spicy barbecue on top. And then here's the best part, a slow roasted thick slab of brisket on top of all that. You eat it all together. It is amazing. It is amazing. And I love to tell people about it because it's my favorite place to go. When people say, hey, let's go out to eat. I'll say, have you been to triple P's yet. And if they say no, I'll say, let's go. And if they say yes, I'll say, have you had the brisket burger? And if they say no, guess what happens? Let's go, right? Let's go try this out. So I've become kind of an evangelist of triple P's over the last year or so, because I think it's so, so good. And some of you knew that already because I've either told you about it or we've been there together because you said, let's grab lunch. Let's hang out. And I said, okay, I know where to go, right? Well, over the summer, we've been going through a sermon series based on the book of Acts called Everyday Evangelism. And what we've seen is that in the life of the early Christians, they were actually able to transform the world and and bring people into a living relationship with Christ through a lot of simple little means. And the story of Acts is amazing. It's amazing because as it begins, Jesus has just come back. So he died on the cross for our sins. He rises again. He's back with his disciples. And their expectation is that he is going to just let them go back to status quo. 
He's going to teach. They'll follow him. The crowds will gather. He'll do miracles. And it's all going to be exactly the same as it was before. Well, that's not actually how it plays out. See, what he does is he gives them a mission. We call it the Great Commission. And he basically tells them, go to the whole world and share my story. Share the good news. And then he does something crazy. He leaves, right? He ascends into heaven. But what he doesn't do is he doesn't give them a playbook. He doesn't give them a manual. He doesn't tell them how to do it. He just tells them what to do. But as we work through the book of Acts, we see that these guys, even though they didn't know exactly how to do it, were able to impact the world in amazing, amazing ways. And it seems like every chapter, it says they've added another thousand to the fold. I mean, people are just getting connected with Christ. But as we see it play out, we see that it happens in very simple ways that we can even reproduce and are still effective today. So today we're going to dig into the book of Acts once again, and we're going to see one more way, one more step that we actually can live out these practices and be evangelists in our everyday lives. So this is what we see in Acts chapter 18. Now there came to Ephesus a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria. So we run into our main character this morning. His name is Apollos, and we know that he's a Jewish guy, right? So he's of Jewish descent, and he's of the Jewish faith. That's where his belief system lies. But we see something interesting about him. He lives in Alexandria, which is northern Egypt. And Alexandria is an amazing, amazing place, especially for that day and age. You see, it was a very educated society. In fact, it was so educated and and so modern in many ways that everyone that lived in that society was considered equal, which was very, very rare in that day. So if you were a Greek, if you were Egyptian, which would be the homeland there, or if you were a Jewish person, they were all on equal footing. And so this is where Apollos was from. He was at this amazing, amazing city where all these things were happening. There was a great educational system and everyone was cared for and loved and considered equal. But he's going to a place that's actually quite the opposite of Alexandria. If Alexandria is kind of this pinnacle of a city, this pinnacle of, of the way that we should live, Ephesus, where he's going, is the exact opposite It is sinful and corrupt and horrible, horrible, horrible things are happening. Well, as the story goes on, we learn more about this guy named Apollos. It says that he was an eloquent man and well-versed in the scriptures. So we see that God has gifted this guy with some natural talent. He's eloquent, right? He's really, really well-spoken. He's a great communicator. But not just that, he also is well-versed in the scriptures. Now, when we read the scriptures in the New Testament, it's talking about the Old Testament, right? Because they were living the New Testament. They were, they were living these things they were writing about. So when they refer to scripture, they're talking about the Old Testament. So this good Jewish guy, he's well-educated. He knows his stuff. And on top of that, he's this great communicator. Well, his story goes on. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with burning enthusiasm and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. So Apollos, he's this great communicator. He's well-versed. We also see that he's very, very passionate. And if you guys know that someone, if someone's passionate or enthusiastic about a topic, even if you don't care about the topic, you kind of lean in, like they pull you in. And maybe you had a high school or elementary teacher like this, right? They love their field of study. They love teaching you and you didn't care about history at all. But when they taught it, you seem to care. And this is who Apollos was. When he talked to people, when he, he spoke to people, when he taught people, they were just 
lean in because he was so passionate about his subject matter. But here's the best part of that is not only was he passionate about it and people were drawn to him, but says he taught accurately, which means he was able to take the scripture and apply it really well to people's lives so they could understand it. And it was rightfully divided. So this guy was an amazing, amazing, amazing man. But despite all that positivity, he did have one flaw. It says that he only knew the baptism of John. And when he's talking about John, he's talking about John the Baptist. And you remember his story. His purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus, to prepare the way for the Messiah. And so he was out in the wilderness by the Jordan River. Crowds would gather. He was kind of a a unique guy. But he was teaching a baptism of repentance. He was trying to prepare people for Jesus. He was kind of pushing them out of the shadow to see clearly when Jesus arrived so they could understand who Jesus was. But Apollos apparently somewhere on his journey had run into John the Baptist. He might have gotten baptized by the Jordan River. He had heard the teachings, but he didn't really understand. He hadn't quite been pushed out completely out of the haze. And so he knew there was a Messiah coming. He knew he had to be repentant. He knew he had to be prepared, but he didn't quite get that it was Jesus. Well, this is what happens next. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. So remember, he's traveled now from Alexandria to Ephesus, and he finds a little community of faith called a synagogue where they would pray and teach. And so he gets the opportunity to teach. And so he's up there, they've read the scripture, and and he's preaching. And here's another thing about him. He's not only well-versed, he teaches accurately, he's eloquent, he's passionate, he has all these things, but he's also bold, which means as he's reading the scripture, he teaches it truly. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He teaches it as it is written, right? As it should be taught. And this is an incredibly difficult thing. I gotta be honest. As a communicator, as a pastor, as a teacher, sometimes there's things in the Bible that you don't wanna teach because you know it's going to offend people. Right? You know it's going to maybe hurt people's feelings or, or really have them look at their own ideologies and think, maybe it's not quite in line. And so when Apollos taught, he knew that it was only loving to teach the truth as God presented it to him. And so he's preaching boldly in this place. Even though in Ephesus, he definitely probably offended a lot of people by teaching God's truth because they were all the way down here. There was a lot of corruption that he probably called them out on. Well, the story continues. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. So Paul, he's teaching, there's a crowd, there's people listening. And remember, he doesn't quite know the full story of Jesus. And he runs into these two people, which is a husband and wife combo, Priscilla and Aquila. And they're tent makers. And so their job is to make tents. They travel around and sell these tents around the world. But there's something else about them that's very interesting. They've had a a real encounter with Christ. Their lives have been transformed. And so they use their job, their vocation, to spread the good news. So as they travel, they share the story of Christ. In fact, they also have an amazing partner. His name is the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary the world's ever seen. So Aquila, Priscilla, and Paul, who's kind of doing this mentoring relationship with them, this is what they do. They travel around and they spread the good news. Well, apparently... They put some of their focus into Ephesus and they just happened to be at the same synagogue on the same day that Apollos was talking. And so they heard him. And right away as he's teaching, they knew he had all these gifts and abilities. He's well-spoken and all these things, but he didn't quite know the full story of Jesus yet. 
So it says that they pulled him aside. Now, this is really, really, really significant because it gives us really a healthy pattern to behave amongst each other. See, what they didn't do is they didn't walk out angrily. They didn't pick at him. They didn't shout him down. They didn't post a passive aggressive post on Facebook after he got done teaching, right? They didn't do any of that stuff. It says they took him aside because they didn't view him as the enemy. They viewed this as an opportunity. And so they pull Apollos to the side. He obviously has all these gifts and all these natural talents that God has gifted him, but he didn't quite know the full truth. And so they explain it to him and they begin to care for him and and love him and teach him all that he needs to know about Christ. And this is what happens. And when he wished to cross over to Achaia, the believers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. So Priscilla and Aquila, they begin to interact with Apollos. They begin to help him understand all of their needs to be known about Jesus. And he, he learns and he has this idea that he wants to go to this place called Achaia, which is Greece in our modern day. And so he's going to go there. That's his passion. That's his purpose. He wants to go share the good news there. And as they're doing this, it says the believers that were around him encouraged him. So they were spiritually encouraging him. They were physically encouraging him. They were probably physically encouraging him. And they're preparing him to go into his mission field. And so they actually do something interesting. They write to the disciples that are already there to say, get ready for this guy. When this guy comes, he's going to have an amazing impact because he teaches accurately. He's well-versed. He's passionate, he's bold, he's articulate. This guy really has an amazing potential to impact your life. So when he shows up, get connected to this guy. And that's exactly what happens. He has great success. In fact, we read about it here. On his arrival, he greatly helped those who through grace had become believers. And so we see Apollos' impact right away. He sees that he is impacting the believers that are already there. So he uses his gifts that God has given him. He now has all of the understanding of Christ that he needs to have. And so he begins to teach and he helps these people move forward in their faith journey. But he not only impacts them, he impacts another group of people. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Messiah is Jesus. So we see that he impacts the believers, but he also impacts the people there. When people show up to hear him, when people invite people to hear him, he has this amazing ability to use his gifts and abilities to influence them, to help them step into, by the power of the Holy Spirit, into a real transformative relationship with Christ. Now, the reason we know this is later on in the story, it actually talks about Apollos once again. In fact, there's a conversation between Christians at that point in time of who was the best communicator in that time frame. And they're having this debate about who should they invite people to see? Who should they bring people to see? Who has the most impact on people's lives because they're that, that great of teacher? And so they're getting in this debate and they come up with three names. One is the Apostle Paul, right? The leader of the disciples. One is the Apostle, or Apostle Peter, sorry. And then also the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary the world has ever seen. And the third one is Apollos. Apollos is the third guy in this conversation of the premier communicators that people want to bring people to, connect people to, so they can hear the good news. In fact, you've been impacted by Apollos, whether you realize it or not. As you've heard sermons or read through the Bible, you've probably stumbled onto the book of Hebrews. Now, there's some debate 
here, but a lot of, of scholars believe that the book of Hebrews is a sermon from this guy, Apollos. In fact, Martin Luther lands in that camp and I tend to land in that camp as well. And so you might've been impacted by this amazing book in the Bible, which is a sermon from Apollos to the people and ultimately to us in our modern day. But here's the thing, when it comes to Apollos or even Paul or even Peter, is that they might've been the best communicators in the world, but if no one heard them, it wouldn't have mattered. In fact, the only way that these guys could be effective is if people who followed them, people who listened to them, invited their friends, invited people into a space where Apollos could impact them in a powerful way. So today in the book of Acts, we run into our next step of everyday evangelism. A step that is hard, can make your palms a little bit sweaty and make you a little bit nervous, but one that is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly effective. So this morning, we're called to extend an invitation. Invite people into a space where they can hear the good news of Christ. And I know this, it wasn't just effective back then. I know it will be effective today. In fact, look at these, these stats. On national survey, this is what we see. 82% of unchurched people will go to church if a friend, coworker, neighbor, or family member invites them. 82%. Now, this, is, this isn't anyone, right? It's not meeting someone at Walmart that you don't know and inviting them. Look at who these people are. Your family, right? Those who have to be around you. That's how that works. Family. Neighbors, those who you live next to, you're in close proximity with. Coworker, right? Those you mingle with at work. And friends. All the people that are in close proximity to you. If you invite them to church, 82% of a national study says that they will say yes. But here's the problem. Only 2% of believers invite people to church. So there's some numbers up there that won't make sense yet, but I'm about to make sense of them. So the first one is 333, which is the average weekend attendance here at New Life. So every given weekend, we have an average 333 people. We have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel to whomever shows up on a weekend. Now, if those people, if you today commit to inviting one person in that sphere of influence, one person, one time of year, once a year, one person, and you have that 82% success rate, guess how many people we would have on a weekend? Over 600 people, simply by extending an invitation. Now, the next number is 695. That's the membership of New Life at present. So this is the number of people that would call New Life their home. They've gone through the membership classes. They've signed the paper. They're in. 695 people. Now, I know they're not all going to show up on any given weekend, that's obvious, right? Based on the numbers. I know life goes on, right? It gets busy. But if those 695 members of New Life committed to praying for, thinking about, inviting one person once a year at an 82% success rate, guess how many people we'd have on a weekend? Over 900 people. Which means your parking spot is gone. Your favorite pew, gone. The line at the coffee shop, a little bit longer than probably you're comfortable with. But the impact would be amazing, wouldn't it? 900 people hearing the truth about Christ. 
having his, his power through his word given to them, handed to them so that they could experience what he has to offer, his purpose, an amazing perspective on life, and a personal relationship with God that starts now and lasts forever, that would be unbelievable. Simply through the power of a simple invitation. In fact, there's more stats that line up with this as well that we know it works in the modern world. Here's another one. Here's the four top reasons that people visit a church and stay. It's directly connected to this idea of Apollos. The first one is a quality sermon, right? Apollos was this amazing communicator. He was well-versed. He applied it well. He was passionate. People loved to hear this guy speak. So the number one reason that people stay at a church is a good communicator, right? A quality sermon. The next one is a welcoming staff member, which is typically maybe the worship leader or the, one of the pastors who's up here. If they engage with them after the service and they have uh, a nice demeanor, right? They're welcoming, people will stay. Here's the third one, service styles. As you know, if you've been around New Life for long enough, we have three specific service styles. And that's so we can cast a big net because we know people have different preferences. So we have our casual service on Saturday. We have our traditional service right before this one. And you guys are in our modern worship service, right? It's a little bit more modern feel with all the the Lutheran elements intertwined into every one of those. And so we use that to extend an opportunity to catch people who need a transformative relationship with Christ. Now, the fourth one is location. We really can't do much about that at present. This is where the building is. I can't move it, right? So it is what it is. But we have our unique mission field here. So what we see in the book of Acts and what we see in our modern age is that we have an amazing, a little bit intimidating, but an amazing opportunity to transform our community for Christ. And this is what it takes. Just a simple extension of an invitation. So this week, this is what I hope. I hope you write down one name. Pray for that person. And take that bold step and invite. Because you never know when you're going to land in the 82%. You never know when that neighbor, that coworker, that family member, or that friend's going to walk in here, sit next to you, hear the good news of Christ, and be forever transformed through everyday evangelism. Trouble trying to hide